A hike in interest rates is back on the agenda after higher than expected inflation figures. Canberra increases its support in the Middle East and there are 1 million more families living in Australia. Welcome to Fear and Greed Business News, Australia's best business podcast. It's Thursday the 26th of October 2023. I'm Adam Lang and good morning, Sean Aylmer. Good morning, Adam. Tell me, day four, do you miss Michael or you just think we don't need him anymore? No, I miss Michael. Come back. Oh, right. Come back, Michael. Come back. Just not yet. Yeah, don't tell him that, though. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. So, Sean, immediately after the show, everyone should stay listening for your chat with McGrath Nickel Partners, Matt Fian and Sam Border. Yeah, McGrath Nickel are great sponsors of Fear and Greed, great supporters. Today, we're talking all about a new report McGrath Nickel has out on supply chain issues. Now, I must say, I didn't think much about supply chain until COVID hit, and that's when we all realised how important supply chains were. So much for business to be thinking about. Not so much COVID anymore, cyber attacks, that's the big one, counterparty risk, who you're doing deals with and who the other people on the other side of a transaction are. Really fascinating chat with Matt and Sam. Sean, supply chain has a material impact on inflation, and that brings us to the main story this morning. Thank you. The honeymoon for the new Reserve Bank Governor, Michelle Bullock, may be very short-lived, at least in the public's mind, after inflation figures were released yesterday and they were higher than expected. It means the new governor may be forced into a 13th interest rate rise. Inflation unexpectedly accelerated to 1.2% for the three months to September as petrol prices and rents surged. The headline number was stronger than market expectations of a 1.1% rise. It means annual inflation is at 5.4%, still well above the Reserve Bank's target of 2 to 3%. Bullock on Tuesday night said she'd have no hesitation in lifting rates if the inflation outlook wasn't as sanguine as she had hoped, more or less if inflation was picking up, not good news for rates. Perhaps of more concern from yesterday's figures is that measures of underlying inflation were also stronger than expected. Trimmed mean inflation, which takes out volatile prices, was 1.2% in the three months to September, well above the Reserve Bank's forecast of 0.9%. In response to yesterday's figures, quite a few economists are now tipping a rate rise on Melbourne Cup Day. That's 7 November. In fact, the chief economists of ANZ, Commonwealth Bank and National Australia Bank all think we're in for another rate rise. Bond markets have priced in a 65% chance of a hike ahead of the inflations yesterday. That number was something under 40%. So, Sean, there's always some key drivers to the price rises. I'm guessing petrol was one of them. What were the other ones? Yeah, so you're right. Petrol prices, definitely rents. That was another really big one, up around 8% over the year. Insurance, uh, electricity, education, bread and cheese, believe it or not, all items where prices spiked over the past year. Services prices rose by 1% over the September quarter and are 5.8% higher over the year, only down slightly from a peak of 6.3% year-on-year in the previous quarter. The Reserve Bank's concern has been that services inflation will prove to be sticky and non-transitory, just won't be able to get it down, and yesterday's data gives some weight to that argument. In some areas, prices did fall. There were lower fresh food prices with fruit and veggies down 6% compared to a year ago. That was all about warmer winter or a warmer winter, improved supply conditions. Meat prices were up only 2% year on year. Clothing and footwear prices were down just a touch. And the cost of major household appliances and furniture have fallen. 
Bottom line in all this, anyone predicting a rate rise next month on the 7th of November would have been buoyed by the data yesterday. The rest of us, hmm, not so sure we're happy about the fact that inflation still is too high. Sean, I fear you're right. And as you talked about all those key measures that have gone up, it doesn't feel like any of them are coming down in a hurry. No, no. It, that's particularly the services inflation. It's a real, it is definitely proving sticky. Yeah. So look, amongst all of that, how did the local markets perform yesterday? A bit of a funny day. The S&P ASX 200 ended flat at 6,854 points, although it's pretty topsy-turvy. Ahead of the inflation report, shares shot up. They're up about 0.4%. Then they tumbled to be down about the same amount after the inflation reading. The cash rate-sensitive real estate and consumer sectors were among the worst hit, while the material stocks were sort of the best performing. All the big miners, for example, did pretty well. By the end of the day, it turned out about flat. So, Sean, as we look towards today's markets, what's been driving them in international markets? Well, on Wall Street, a number of companies have reported third quarter earnings. Later in the show, I'll tell you about Microsoft and Alphabet, two of the more interesting ones. It's early, but generally things look fairly solid. In China, President Xi Jinping stepped up support of the economy, issuing sovereign debt that helped push up commodity prices, including iron ore, hence the big miners did pretty well yesterday. Oil prices have fallen somewhat as hopes rise that the Israel-Hamas war will remain contained for the time being. We don't often talk about sugar prices, Adam, but they are well worth a mention this morning. Raw sugar futures, something we love to keep an eye on here at Fear and Greed, raw sugar futures, 12-year high. Now, essentially, when oil prices rise, there's more demand for sugarcane to produce biofuels instead of raw sugar. Hence, supply goes down, price goes up. There you go. We've also been watching Bitcoin a bit in the past couple of weeks. And at one point over the past 24 hours, it went beyond 35,000 US dollars a unit. That's the first time it's done that since April 2022. It's come off a bit, but still double the value of what it was late last year. And the Aussie dollar benefited from those CPI numbers yesterday. It's trading just under 64 US cents. The theory there is that if local interest rates rise, then the Aussie dollar becomes more attractive, at least in the short term. And Sean, you might be keeping an eye on some international currency exchange rates. Always, Adam. Never know when the next holiday is coming. Mm. Have you got one coming up, Adam? Is that why you're asking? Only Christmas, but I know you always like to look ahead and maybe buy a little bit of currency if you're travelling in the near future. Uh, I do tend to, yeah, but we made them big mistake on our last holiday of not booking our next holiday whilst on the holiday. So we always book our next holiday whilst on a holiday. Otherwise, you get home and you, suddenly a few years have passed and you haven't been anywhere. And when, when, But when you do book it, I start putting money away. You are right. But this time, we just didn't do that. Well, Sean, I'm pleased. We've got you for longer. Now, we'll be back in a moment with the rest of the day's business news. Sean, Australia has sent two additional aircraft and a significant number of personnel to the Middle East to support Australians in the region. Defence Minister Richard Miles told Channel 9 yesterday that the extra resources were as a contingency to support Australian populations in the region. He said the situation was volatile and it isn't clear what way the situation will go. Miles also urged Australians in the region to leave. 
Also, Australia will lift its military aid to Ukraine to $910 million after Prime Minister Anthony Albanese unveiled a fresh package made up of Australian developed equipment to address military and medical needs. Shifting to the global stage, French President Emmanuel Macron has proposed reviving the international coalition against Islamic State. Albanese was non-committal about joining any such coalition. The United States is preparing evacuation plans for up to 600,000 Americans in Israel in the event of a full-scale ground war in the region. And the Times of Britain yesterday reported that Hamas wants to broker a ceasefire, or at least see an end to the bombing campaign in Gaza, in return for the release of about 50 Israeli hostages. Sean, Prime Minister Albanese is, of course, in Washington. He has also announced more money for cheap loans and guarantees for critical minerals miners. Yes, $2 billion more. Critical minerals are the commodities essential in the transition to cleaner technology. Think copper, lithium, nickel, cobalt, uh, rare earths are in there. Albanese announced that the government will double the amount available under the critical minerals facility to $4 billion. It's money to help projects get off the ground that are struggling to attract bank finance. It should create jobs across clean energy, manufacturing and defence supply chains. China dominates the critical minerals landscape and the US and Australia are keen to develop new supplies. Under the facility, companies can apply for loans, financial guarantees or performance and warranty bonds to help establish themselves and develop export markets. Sean, this one's really interesting to me. Woolworths has announced a 5.3% jump in sales during the September quarter. And the good news is that inflation in the food business is moderating with falling prices in the fresh produce and meat aisles. Yeah, it's sort of linked to the top story with the CPI. And this is Woolworths talking about what's going on right now. Now, firstly, I'd like to point out bananas at $4.50 a kilo, still a bit steep for my liking. Yeah, I like bananas. Yeah, I'm a big banana buyer, yeah, and but anything over $4, I'm like, oh, not sure. Wince a bit. Yeah, yeah, I do. Avocados at $1.30, pretty good though. Okay, I'll go harder on my avocados. More guacamole, thanks. Yep, yep. Anyway, the nation's largest supermarket chain said sales were up sharply in the first couple of months of the quarter, then the pace slowed in the third month, but that could also be a reflection of lower inflation, which would actually be good news. Boss Brad Banducci said demand remains resilient, although what Woolies calls saver families and young singles and couples are more focused on value products. Average prices for fruit and veggies fell 12% due to improved growing conditions with berries, lettuce, cucumbers, capsicum and tomatoes all declining materially. At Big W, sales declined 5.5%, that along with higher wages really are denting profits at Big W. Bit of work to do there, Adam. On Tuesday night, Reserve Bank Governor Michelle Bullock said renters are better off now than a couple of years ago because incomes have risen. Sean, you reported that yesterday. Well, now CoreLogic has put together the cheapest rental suburbs within 20 kilometres of central business districts. The story thus far, Adam, across the capital cities of Australia, rent values have risen 10% in the 12 months to September. Limited availability of homes, high migration levels post-COVID and people moving back to the cities continues to place upward pressure on capital city rent markets. If you work or study in the city centre, rent options are looking thin. So where are the best options within 20 kilometres of the CBD? In Sydney, Auburn, Granville, Regents Park and Sefton. In Melbourne, Auburn Vale, Laverton, Broadmeadows and Kings Park. 
If you're heading to Brisbane, think Woodridge, Inala, Ellen Grove and Darra. Try Salisbury and Braham Lodge in Adelaide and Girraween and Gosnells in Perth, Adam. Hot tips, Sean. Thank you. Mm, good. Linus Rare Earth's share price jumped 4% yesterday after the Malaysian government said it could operate its flagship refinery, which produces key ingredients for wind turbines, electronics and military applications. This battle's been going on for a while and the reason for a big sell-off in the company's share price. But now the Malaysian government has overturned its ban on Linus importing and processing a crucial substance which generates low-level radioactive residue at its refinery. Linus is the biggest supplier of rare earths outside of China. Of course, this comes just as Prime Minister Albanese announces more support for the critical mineral sector. Good for Linus rare earths shareholders. Sure, this is quite staggering. There's been an increase of one million families in Australia over the last decade, and that's according to the Bureau of Statistics. In June, there were 7.5 million families. About 15% were one-parent families, and of the couple families, about 2.4% were same-sex couples. Now, that number has gone from 41,000 10 years ago to about 150,000 today. That's same-sex couples. The Bureau was looking at families in the relationship with the labour market. One of the worrying statistics was that the proportion of couple families with dependents where both parents aren't employed increased from 3.6% to 4.1% this year. Also, the majority of couple families with dependents had both parents employed. Of the single parent families, 63% had dependents and the vast majority, 83%, were single mum families. Sean, those are great insights. I'll actually have to look into that a bit deeper. You're going to spreadsheet them, aren't you? (laughs) I might. Yeah, I know. Let's move on to international news. A couple of the Wall Street tech titans have released third quarter earnings. There's good news at Microsoft, but not so much at Alphabet, parent of Google. Sales at Microsoft have surged as the technology giant cashes in on the artificial intelligence race in which its main rival is Google. Turnover at Microsoft jumped 13% to $57 billion. That's about $90 billion Aussie dollars. That's in three months. Pretty incredible. Boss Satya Nadella claimed that the company was making the age of AI real. Now, Microsoft's invested in ChatGPT developer OpenAI and launched a series of AI-powered tools for its Office and Word products in recent months. Profit at the tech giant was 27% higher, $22.3 billion US dollars in three months. Not bad. At Google, revenues climbed 11% to $77 billion US dollars. Net income was almost $20 billion US dollars on the back of a recovery in the digital advertising market. However, according to Bloomberg, its closely watched cloud division, we're talking Google here, it houses its data storage business and many of its AI efforts. Well, it missed analyst expectations. A bit disappointing. Sean, I love that Satya Nadella quote of making the age of AI real, like making artificial intelligence real, but it's been such a turning point for the company, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, Microsoft is a massive company and uh, it always seems to, what is a big blue, probably been going 40 or 50 years, it always just seems to be at the top of the tech curve and I think it's pretty impressive. Turning now to Russia, the Kremlin has denied that Vladimir Putin is ill following reports that he suffered a heart attack over the weekend. Now, normally, Adam, you don't do stories that say nothing happened. (laughs) But given Vladimir Putin's role in the world, this one is worth it. An unsourced report by a Russian telegram channel claimed on Sunday that the Russian president had been struck by a serious illness 
that evening. A spokesperson then came out, denied he was in poor health, according to the Telegraph of London, also refuted that he uses body doubles. There's been plenty of talk about Vlad using body doubles. Putin, a judo enthusiast, turned 71 early this month. Speculation the Russian leader is in declining health from cancer or Parkinson's disease has been running around for a while. Last year, it was dispelled by the CIA, which described him as too healthy. Hmm. I don't think I've ever been described as too healthy. Have you, Sean? No, well, no but I don't, don't think it's got anything to do with his health. I think it's a bit of subjective bias in the <laughs> CIA's view on this one. Got it. So up next is the Fear and Greed Daily interview with McGrath Nickel Partners, Matt Fian and Sam Border. Yep, great chat about supply chain issues and particularly cyber attacks and counterparty risk. So topical given the inflation figures we've just had. So that's up next in the Fear and Greed playlist on your favourite podcast platform or at fearandgreed.com.au. Thank you, Sean. Thank you very much, Adam. It's Thursday, the 26th of October, 2023. Make sure you're following the podcast and join us online on LinkedIn, Instagram, X and Facebook. I hope you have a great day.